country, country music. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff that's happened in the last couple of weeks, and we haven't seen each other for a while. So I figure we should maybe just have a quick recap of uh, a country catch up, as you would have it. Country, country roundup. Country, country roundup. Sure. Country catch up. Country, country catch up. <laughs> Which is reference. it? Which right is there. it? Bam. Catch up. Cats up. Catch up. That might be a new record. Yeah. <laughs> That was like Mr. Burns in the Five grocery store. Deep. Yeah. <laughs> um, I found so yeah. There's a few things I wanted to talk to you about. A few things I got beef with. A few things that I like. Um, the, <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. I, I read this article recently. I don't know why she's even back in the news, but um, I guess because she's got, she a, got a new new album coming sh- out. No, because she got a TV show. Well, I think she also has a new album coming out. I think that was part of it too. Oh no, her talk show. That was it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She's out of. She backed out of the music industry and is now going to be a daytime talk show host. So apparently midway through this Q&A session about her new talk show, um, <laughs> without naming any names, Clarkson lamented the quality of modern country stars and hit makers for more than two minutes while openly expressing her belief that the industry was superior in the 1990s, which, hear me out, I think you kind of feel the same way. Hardcore. But, but Big time feel the same way. She says, goes on to say, country music is gone, she claimed in the video. I don't know who's making it, but there might be like four people out there. Well, she, and she, I think she's talking about mainstream country, Nashville the Machine. Okay, but I'm sorry. I, I feel like the entire point of what we're trying to do here as a podcast and what we have been doing is telling people that it's not gone and there's yep. way more than four people out there trying to do it. And I think if she just poked her head out of the sand for one hot well, minute to see that there's a ton of stuff out there. She could have used this platform to say, I I don't like this, but you should listen to this instead of just negatively bashing it for like her whole spiel. Like she kept going on and on and so on. So I didn't read it that way. I see what you're saying. And I, I think it's a valid way to look at it. She could have said mainstream country is dead. Like here's a whole bunch of cool shit. But then she would have almost been degrading herself as well, too, because that and I I see that a bit as talking out of two sides of her mouth because she she was almost part of the problem. Yeah, she she's never put out a very country song like she was like Carrie Underwood and whoever else like it. So in what way, shape or form did she have any right to to say? Because so I don't know this, but my perspective on it is that people who are in the mainstream country world like very Nashville, big label machine, they don't bash each other. It's, you, you don't hear it, it or you hear it very, very infrequently. I mean, and, she named no names. Well, okay. So she, see, so she's still, even as she's bashing, she's not bashing, but she wouldn't have ever done that while she was still working in it, but she's backed out. Now she has a TV show and she's speaking her mind. And now she's saying there's nobody in country that's country anymore, except for a few people. And she's probably referring to like John Party, Midland, Casey Musgraves, um, who else? Like four, five or six like guiding lights in mainstream country. And because that is the world that she was in, I think that's what she's talking about. And I think that it is great that somebody who was such a big name in mainstream pop country is now saying it's all gone to the dogs. This is all bullshit, except for a few people. Country music's over. I, I think her comments would have been relevant maybe seven or eight years ago. 
Well, no. Well, sure, yes. Um, but she still had a career to have, and she couldn't bite the hand that feeds her. And now she's out of it, and she's speaking truth to power. I don't know, man. I just think it's like an old man yelling at a cloud. Second Simpsons reference. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, And then she goes on to get into this weird thing uh, where she starts bashing. She's saying, now it's like weird word rap. I I don't know what that quote even means. Like, I think most rap is kind of wordy. That's kind of the point of rap. Um, While suggesting uh, that she encourages progression in music, she said, I don't want to feel like I'm some... I'm at some weird rock show where they start rapping. Uh, I love when I started. But it's th- true. Well, yeah, it's it's true. But you're going to the wrong goddamn country shows. Okay, so he, here here's here's the problem. Where why we're looking at this differently? You are slighted by the fact that she is referring to country overall and not seeing the, or not using her platform to expose that there is still a lot of very good country around. But she should know this. She was in the industry. You know what? When you're, I, I don't know. Maybe she does. Maybe she listens to Lost Dog Street Band, but I'm not doesn't saying, want to I'm not talking about underground stuff. I'm talking about, you said underground before. I didn't say underground once. Well, in the previous the episode. <laughs> no, I, I'm not saying she should be like referencing underground country bands. I'm think she, saying she should be talking about bands like Midland or John Party. Well, didn't she John say Wolf. there was like four or five? She just didn't mention who the names are. Yeah, but I mean, there's also Sturgill Simpson and Tyler Childers. And like yeah. none of this is underground. This is stuff that's out there that's good. All I'm saying is that don't harp on it. Don't, don't. She's furthering the stereotype. Like she's hurting the genre by being someone that's in the public eye and about to be more in the public eye by having a talk show and then openly bashing a genre that is in recovery mode right now, there's didn't, a lot of good stuff happening. Didn't she mention that there was uh, some people that are starting to do more of a 90s kind of thing? Didn't she allude to that in that interview somehow? Not what I saw, not from what I read, but the only redeeming thing that she, she kind of brought it back around is then she said... Um, I, I love that when I started to do country, they were like, oh, you're, you're pop. You're not country enough. And she was like, I'm sorry, let me show you this list of the top 20, which by the way, uh, did not include one female. And then she said, I'm not even trying to get played on country radio. Here's the thing. I just love country music. But then she went on um, to really lament about the lack of female representation on, on country radio, which I thought was That's pretty a cool. a whole different argument, though. I, I know, but I'm just saying she, she kind of brought it back around for me. So towards yeah. the end of the article, I was like, okay, this is good. She had a good quote. She said, uh, y'all don't play people with boobs either, but that's fine. Uh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, you got boobs? You're not a man? Get out of here. What happened? Do you want me, do you want me to go off on how many women uh, were so mon- monumental to me? So, you know, that's good. At least towards the end, she started to say something that positively helped the genre. It's like, if you truly love the genre, you shouldn't just bash the whole thing. You should start talking some positive. I don't think that that's what she meant to be doing because she's talking about how she loves the genre. And she's talking about, she loves nineties country. Like she's Reba McIntyre's her mother-in-law and she like, she knows country, even if she's never done it. Offer us something positive about it. Well, maybe what was the question that the, the reporter asked? It was weird, man. It was about, I don't. They were doing some stupid shit about like emojis, and then it, because it, the, like the question might have no, it wasn't like it was absolutely answer. not a leading question. Okay, absolutely not. 
Anyways, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I agree with what she's saying, even though it she could have pointed to a lot more of what's good going on. But if she was using it to cut at the mainstream Nashville establishment that is still putting out bullshit pop snap tracks, sounds like you're going to a weird rap rock show. She's totally do, she's then, totally then right. Cut at the establishment, but reference but i don't then, know maybe yeah. i'm just butthurt here call, but call for some reason they're doing it right and, yeah yeah because it, like it, it's also ironic that big machine it has uh midland on it and they also now have like they have reba and ronnie dunn and like but at the same time they have thomas rett i love the giant brass balls of calling your record label big machine <laughs> like this is what which this is what you're getting. Well, speaking <laughs> of, if we're talking about controversies and like bullshit, um, Scott Bruschetta sold to Borchetta. Sold to Bruschetta. <laughs> now I'm hungry. I, exactly. I was hungry and went that way. Scott Borchetta. So well, then you say Borchetta, and I think of Porchetta, and I'm also hungry. God damn it! <laughs> yeah. Can we go eat after this? Yeah. I didn't even eat dinner. It's nine o'clock at night. Yeah. So, Scooter Braun bought. Big Machine Records. It was Scooter Braun. Yeah. <laughs> you think anybody that's ever been named Scooter, like that's what their parents name them? I feel like they are meant to be a character in the great, um, uh, great uh, American <laughs> novel. But was maybe their name was like Percival or something, and they're like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, it's Scooter. gonna be Scooter. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's a guy who works with Justin Bieber and. Uh, Ariana Grande, I think Kanye as well too. And so now he owns Taylor Swift's masters because she was on uh, big machine and her dad was actually an investor in big machine as well too. There's a whole lot of controversy happening with, with all that right now. And can you not own your own masters. Well, you can, but it, it's a matter of, of how you get them produced. So if you're, if you, if you went and signed with a big, record company and the, they paid for your recording of everything they will unless you had it somehow in the contract that you would end up owning them but that wouldn't make sense because they'd be investing everything in you to record that so the whatever label you were with generally owns those masters unless you were to buy them back so that would really stick in my craw so a, a lot of the early i don't know how many of them of Taylor Swift's masters uh, are owned by Big Machine that went from uh, Scott Burchetta to Scooter Braun. But what does that mean? Like, if they get released, like she well, can't put them else. Like they are, they they belong to that. Those songs, as they are recorded, belong to that label to be released as they see fit. Uh, yeah, they can do whatever they want with them. But I think she has a lot of beef with him. Um, because of Kanye and uh, what, oh, yeah, because what, didn't he jump up on stage at one point? Well, it's for some it, bullshit. It was not even about that. What what was the controversy? But she about? was on stage or something, and she got it. And like Beyonce was up for it. Wasn't that the controversy? Yeah, but that's not that. No, that the it's. Hold on. My pop, my pop culture references are weak. No, there's something about um, taking her quote out of uh, perspective. It was something about um, that that she approved of a line in 
Kanye song that had something to do with, and I, I'm not familiar with the song. It had something to do with um, him saying that he made her career, assumingly about a, a reference to uh, him interrupting her on stage at the awards that after that, like that made her career because he was such a big deal and it shed light on her. And then she became a, a, a more important or visible person. That's what he's implying. And I, I think there was like some kind of recorded situation where she was okay with that line in his song, but it was taken out of context and she wasn't exactly, and she hasn't liked him since then. It was something like that. I'm not entirely familiar with it. That And so she hasn't liked him since then. And so his then buying the record label that her dad was also an investor in and that owned all her masters is now like putting salt in a wound and i don't know they're they're all upset about it i haven't i haven't paid too much attention to it but i've heard it in a roundabout way in a couple different sources uh recently just you know dove deep into it i was actually also right on this um i quickly googled while you were talking um while taylor swift was giving her acceptance speech for best female video uh you belong to me or you belong with me. Kanye West walked onto the stage and interrupted her. He took her microphone. That. That's what I was just saying. Yeah, but I said that. Of, of course we know that. We talked about that before. I, that's not what she's upset about the big machine thing for. Oh, I just meant it's upset in general. It sounds like oh. they have a long history of beef. But that has nothing to do with Scooter Braun. It's... <laughs> yes. Percival I, Braun. I, I know that that <laughs> happened, but that's that's not what this is based in. Oh, I thought you were disagreeing with me that that even happened. I was no, like, I no. wasn't disagreeing with you. Of course that happened. Oh. That, that's what all our jokes are about. You made the joke on the last episode where uh, I'm going to let you finish, <laughs> but... Did I you, didn't even know that was that. That's what that was from. Are you kidding me? No. You've been making that joke and you, you didn't even know... You started the joke. I just riffed off your joke. <laughs> Dude, I have zero that's pop culture said. knowledge. Dude, that's what the whole thing was. She was getting her acceptance for whatever the song was that year, the award. And then out of the blue, out of nowhere, Kanye just marches up in the middle of her speech, takes the microphone from her hand when she's mid-speech talking. Yeah. And, and his words yeah. are, I'm going to let you finish, but... And then I didn't know. Beyonce had the best know. video, blah, blah, blah. I don't think you understand the scope of how like my negative pop culture knowledge i can't like, believe that we have this on recorded record of your realization <laughs> like after you've said the joke even like 10 times i've said it maybe once you said it okay. a bunch of times that's true do you want to hear um a story i i entitle or i've titled uh country music bottoms yes of course <laughs> i love this so much it's so good so out of a serve they took a survey it's um, country music bottoms make the world go around right? <laughs> uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> Yeah, see what I did there? Uh-huh, I did, I did. Out of a survey of 1,010 people who, in, quote, enjoy listening to music and are sexually active, country music fans were the most satisfied with their sex lives. So listen up, country, country fans. Some 66.3... Amelia, did you hear that? <laughs> Andrew is <laughs> Tapping doing a knock-knock sure knock to his wife. <laughs> Some 66.3% of them, uh, of the respondents, were determined uh, to be a fan of a specific genre based on a five-point scale, with those indicating that they liked or strongly liked a genre being uh, being lumped together. More intriguing, though, uh, is that country fans boasted the highest number of folks who enjoyed being on the bottom. Hmm. 44.8% of country-loving participants, on a completely related note, Country music aficionados were also the biggest fans of anal. 
at 36.9%, which tracks considering their historic levels. 36.9% is the highest. (laughs) And as the article says, which tracks considering their historic love of chaps. Huh. A few other random ones. Uh, (laughs) Fans of show tunes were the second most likely to enjoy the bottom bunk, 45.6%. Reggae heads prefer to be on top more than anyone, 37.2%. Blues fans... <laughs> Last the longest in the sack at why, 16 why minutes. We, why are we going through all this now? Because <laughs> it's because it's, it's hilarious. I'm over it. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, wait. The, I just got to go through the top three freakiest genres. I'm mental <laughs> noting this for when I like get back onto Tinder and and look at you know people Spotify. The next time I see someone who You're loves, just going to quote this percentage. No, no, as, no, like, no, country no. Music no. I'm going to use it as like a gauge because the freakiest ones are EDM lovers. So hmm. you know, 41.2. Hmm. Um, where did it go? Anyways, EDM lovers are the freakiest, apparently. So and, country music uh, are the most satisfied, and EDM are the most freaky. Yeah, and country music fans also love anal the most. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you weren't going to say it again, and then you did. No. Oh, what? That they love anal the most? <laughs> goodness. My goodness. You need a sip of beer? Are you blushing? <laughs> I'm not blushing. I'm not blushing. You're blushing. <laughs> oh. Anyways, what else? I got. Uh, do you have a story? You want me to go no, through? No, I have else? nothing prepared. This was all your idea. You, you, you have a, a list of grievances. Apparently, and <laughs> they're not grievances. I'm just here to comment. <laughs> What's next? You're like George Canyon, right? No, no, not really. He's okay. He's okay. I was reading uh, that he. I, I shouldn't say I don't like him. I don't not like him, but he doesn't factor heavily in my list of Canadian country. Sing- I, I guess in a Canadian sense, he's for who's done well from Ontario. He's he's good, but well to go um, from butt sex to politics, which I don't think is all that different. Uh, George <laughs> Canyon has announced he's running as a conservative candidate in the riding of Central Nova Scotia, which I guess is his home. Really? Yeah. I thought he was from Barrie. No, he's Nova Scotian. Really? Uh, his name was added to the Tory roster after existing candidate Roger McKay dropped out this week for personal hmm. reasons, whatever. Cool. Good for him. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but then I was also sort of, I don't know, I started to delve into this whole musician, celebrity, politician thing. Uh, before he could I get... be a cool Canadian politician that wore a cowboy hat in, on the road. You know... I don't think it's the worst thing. He seems somewhat maybe qualified. One thing I didn't know about him while I, I stumbled upon is that uh, he was in a few episodes of Trailer Park Boys. Oh, that's very possible. He was the, uh, the uh, what's it called? Like the park ranger in those couple of episodes. I don't remember. Uh, anyways, it was pretty funny. Um, but yeah. Probably the only reference about Canada that any of our American listeners trailer park right boys? now like, oh, Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have so many American friends that love that show. But it's uh, the only thing they know about Canada. Oh, Canada, Trailer Park Boys. And I Sweet. assume they just think that's that's yeah, what happens up yeah. here. <laughs> and it, it's pretty accurate. <laughs> In certain subcultures. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, so talking about celebrities whatever going political i was like i'm not too sure about this it's is he just getting there because he's got some because he has some minor celebrity in canada and then i started to look into his career and i think he He might be here last year 
Oh, did he? Yeah, he. I think it was at Babylon. Huh. It's an odd venue for it. Mm-hmm. So I, I looked into George Kenyon's career outside of music a little bit, and it seems that maybe he's probably a little more qualified than some of the recent celebrities that have come into office. But uh, he's currently the uh, Colonel Commandant of the Royal Canadian Air Cadets. Um, he held another, a couple other honorary positions. He d- he's done a lot of, he has diabetes. I didn't know this. And hmm. he's, he travels around, he talks to children about it and all this kind of stuff. Cause I mean, he's not a particularly large man. So, um, I think it's, he's done some stuff that is definitely put, he's not just a pretty face, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So good for him. I'm glad he's doing that. And then I decided to delve into who do we have in music that's gotten into politics um Roy Acuff 19 I didn't know this either Roy Acuff was Roy Acuff f- yeah he was a Roy Acuff Roy Acuff Roy whatever Acuff. dude <laughs> again with the syllables and the emphasis <laughs> <laughs> um he was a Freemason I didn't know this um but then he was uh <laughs> he got into this big thing where he invited the Tennessee governor uh to be to come down to the Grand Old Opry and the governor rejected the offer and lambasted him as disgraceful for making Tennessee the hillbilly capital of the United States. Hmm. So then uh, he took issue with this and decided that he was going to run for governor himself. And uh, he didn't do so hot. He he got about 40% of the vote, which I guess is not that bad for you. Is this a history lesson about Roy Acuff? No, I just decided to jump into a little bit of like poli- uh, musicians who, who got into politics. <laughs> okay. Did you know Kinky Friedman ran for the governor of Texas? I did know that. <laughs> His slogans were, how hard could it be? Why the hell not? <laughs> My governor is a Jewish cowboy. And Imagine if George <laughs> Strait ran for governor of Texas. 100% hands down he win. He like, like I think it would be 99.999% It would of the be vote. the first time there was a unanimous election in any jurisdiction. Yeah. I, don't, I think any other candidate would just be like, I'm out. I'm and I'm I'm worried that he's like weirdly conservative and like NRA gun toting hardcore crazy right wing Tea Party. I don't think so because of everything else I know about him. But he's also like really holds his cards close to his chest and very private and family guy. And like, oh, I would just hate to find out that George Strait is a Trump supporter and. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think he would he be. He seems but too reasonable. Too reasonable. And seeing a lot of the things that he's all about, like saw these awkward commercials that he starred in about like conserving water in, in Texas and uh, assumingly uh, global warming related and like water, like save the wet stuff or something. I forget what the tagline was, but he, uh, yeah. That, that would be weird. stuff. Oh, I hope so that's bad. not the slogan. It, it was something like that. It was really and like he sang it like just like a couple. Oh, it was really bad. It was. I I would generally say George Strait doesn't do anything bad, but that one commercial was not good. <laughs> Save the wet stuff. Yeah, it's don't quote me. Maybe it's not, but it's something similar. I hope it is. Yeah, I really hope it is. I yeah, I think he'd be fine. I think he'd be fair. I feel like Texas gets um. From a, not to get too political, but from a political standpoint, <laughs> I, I feel like people from the outside feel like they're so right wing. I It's like a bad rap. Like, I, I feel like they're more progressive than people think they are. 
It's just Tato like O'Rourke almost won yeah, governor. We talked about him on the country. Not cross- governor, uh, senator. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about him on the country, like the thing yeah, where yeah. he was on stage yeah. with Willie Nelson. Yeah. He was like a punk rocker. Um, yeah, and I think it's shit like just like their open carry and all that stuff where people think immediately guns and they're like immediately, oh, they have all of the right wing views. And I don't think that's really the way it works. It's just people can be progressive. Open carry is not the place you need to be afraid of anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? Because it's where you need to open be. carry. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's true. Nobody open carries if they're a problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's not get too political. Yeah. Have well, you, we've uh, just lost a whole bunch of our listenership <laughs> for her, uh, my <laughs> Trump comments earlier. <laughs> Let us never speak of it again. <laughs> Have you... Uh, I'm sure you're aware of it. I'm sure you haven't watched it because I haven't either, but I was thinking we should try and watch a bit of it. Uh, the new Ken Burns documentary, The Story of Country I Music. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's Is out, it right? Oh, I haven't seen it it's yet. It's out. I sent you... Did I not send you the playlist? No. Um, okay, so there's a whole Spotify accompany playlist for, for this series. It's 16 out, not the playlist, but the series is 16 hours long. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. I just hope it, I heard somewhere that it stops at like Garth Brooks. And that would be a major disservice to country music because I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think the 90s is the best era of country music in country music history and some people are going to be really upset that I said that and it's sacrilege what about George Jones Hank Williams everything that was great and yes I agree they are all great and this just seems like too early to say and it, it's it's one of those things like if you had said that outlaw like Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings was the greatest country there ever was in the 80s Everyone would be like, are you kidding me? What about Hank Williams? And are you kidding me? Yeah, flipping <laughs> Flip the tables. Table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, flipping the chess board. <laughs> They're having their civilized conversation <laughs> over chess. And, uh, and we're, we're in a similar situation where it's almost too soon to say something so drastic. But I feel like when we're looking back in 30 years or something, it'll be like the 90s. That like George Strait, Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks, Brooks and Dunn. Reba McIntyre, Shania Twain, like John Michael Montgomery, like all of this stacked up, like I, I think is one of the most important eras in country, if not the most important, which is just an opinion, of course. But I heard that it stops like at the late eighties. I think I'm pretty be, sure you're right. It'd be a huge disservice that if it ends there, if that's just like part one or something, but it needs to go through at least oh, 16 hours, man, make another five or another three. Yeah, dude, like you could have covered it. But so what you're saying is... You could do a whole hour on the class of 89. Yeah. And yeah, then, it feels like maybe it could be another 16 and hours then, long. And then another hour at least on like women in the 90s. So I, I think what happened here was... And I've heard very positive things. We're going to watch it. And, we, and then we'll another one it. on pop country, like a popification of the 2000s and bro you, country. You think Ken Burns is going to get into that? Why not? He's like an amazing historian. So here's what I think happened is I think he went, I think he deep dived too much into like the, or like listen to the, just this first little quote from this article. The story of country music is the story of America, of a young nation settling into the technologies that would come to define it, the ups and downs of people making um, a living there in the thick of it. The music trickled down from mountain folk carrying culture from their ancestral lands into the vast expanse of new country. Uh, And then it just, it goes on to like the most obscure like beginnings 
of music talking about like technology and like radio and all this stuff. So it feels like he maybe deep dived too much into the absolute beginning of it. And then it's almost like when we do our episodes uh, on songs where we, we deep dive on the first bunch of songs and we realize we're running out of time and then we're <laughs> like, oh, we got to yeah, yeah. go fast. Um, but yeah, you're right. And you're not wrong. And I also read that he kind of glazed over like the female struggles in country music a bit. And of which era? Um, or just in general? Just in, well, I would say in like kind of what we were talking about the last episode, like the Loretta Lynn uh, era mm-hmm. where like songs like mm-hmm. The Pill were kind of just like mentioned. Right. But that song was, I don't know, we've talked about it. It was pivotal. It was massive. Like, yep. You, a song that's banned in an era cannot be glazed over. Well, there's a lot of songs that were banned. Yeah, but I don't know. Anyways, That'd be one of the most notable ones. From though. having not seen it, neither have seen it, let's reserve judgment. We should watch it. Um, I feel like we should just have, you know, a marathon. Like, we'll do another one of these catch-up episodes. Uh, yeah, after, after we've watched, we watched it. it. Yeah. 16 hours of it. Yeah. <laughs> straight. We have to watch it straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm excited. My wife is going to hate me. Yeah. She's totally going to hate you. Probably me too. Um, yeah, yeah I, this is your fault. It's hundred percent my <laughs> fault. <laughs> I feel like I'm to blame for most of the things that <laughs> she's going to get it's mad at Sean's you for. Fault, isn't it? Just blame it on me. Did he put this up to you? <laughs> yeah. I'm your like jackass single friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. She I'm, Cause she listens to these. She's heard everything you've said today. <laughs> I haven't said anything inappropriate. Love you, Amelia. <laughs> uh, anyways, are you, uh, have you heard anything good recently? Any new releases? I got a few I've been, been listening to. I did not prepare anything for this. So I, I don't know. I, the best new thing I've heard is the high women. I love that record from start to finish. All right. The only thing I didn't love was when they were playing on Highway XM. Like, yeah, it's, I don't know, one of the live segments that they have on like Friday or Saturday with Stormy Warren. And he would not shut up about, like, it's almost like he was trying to, he just kept saying like a dozen times, like, this is the most important female movement of our generation. And we're back with the high women. This is the most important female movement of our generation. How does it feel to be like such an important female movement? And just over and over, like Amelia and I are driving in the car and we're looking at each other, rolling our eyes, like shut up already. We know that it is like, it's obvious that this is yeah, it's inherently yeah. obvious. Like you don't have to continue it almost, to say it. Exactly. It almost sounded like he was trying to get some kind of cred by saying, slash recognizing that or almost like overcompensating for because he's part of the mainstream country establishment that has not been playing women on country radio or and the women that they do play is like garbage like Kelsey Ballerini I'm sorry I, I get that I am I'm I'm talking positively about needing more women on country radio and the problem that has been of the last like 20 years and some of the women that are there like to be shitting on them, but like Kelsey Ballerini is there's nothing good or country about there's her. No redeeming qualities. No, no. And it and it's it's a joke that her and Dustin Lynch were both inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. No, sorry. <laughs> no. The Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> I'm 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 misspeaking myself. Not Hall of Fame. Grand Ole Opry. They like he I was just about to just like 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. Re- that reverse, was me shooting everybody myself Everybody collectively in the head. reverse your heart attacks. Um, no, like Dustin Lynch, he has the only thing that makes him appear or be somewhat country is that he wears a cowboy hat. That is all. <laughs> that is all. Everything is snap tracks, like beats, bro country, everything. Like it's a joke. He's a joke. And he is now a member of the Grand Ole Opry. And yeah. in the same week or the same day or some, in the same close proximity, Kelsey Ballerini too. She's the female version of that. I can't think of a even partially country song she's come out with. And I don't know. How did we get onto this rant? Oh, we were talking about new music. Oh, yeah, yeah. High Women. That is what country music, modern mainstream country music should be. Oh, I wanted to come back to your point. You... You nailed it a hundred percent. It is like when you were saying the radio announcer or show announcer, or whoever the guy Stormy was. Stormy Warren. Um, it's exactly what you said. It is. He's trying to just like backtrack and make up for something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's also easy for him to do that with that group because it includes Marin Morris and Amanda Shires, two people who Amanda Shires is a big deal on Outlaw XM and in the Americana world. And Marin Morris is obviously like a number one mainstream country artist. And then you have Brandy Carlisle, who is a big deal in Americana, but also a back backstage, uh, back room big deal in country music, like country, country mainstream music, because she's such a prolific songwriter that she's pr- sold songs or been the songwriter to so many major number one songs. And the exact same thing for... Um, Natalie Hemby. And so while Natalie Hemby may not be a household name, her songs are certainly household names. So here's this super group that is very convenient and very easy for someone like Stormy Warren to get behind. That let alone like why why has he not been gushing over Casey Musgraves? Yeah, it's and gutless. Not- it's absolutely gutless. Yeah, he's like- just he's pandering and then he'll move on. For the and next that's thing. not to take anything away from the high women no, and like what they are not. like. I, they are I'm, like our favorite thing in the world, totally. Right now. But like the way that he's going about it, like it's just, and what he's saying and how he's doing it's like th- this isn't the first thing that's happened. This isn't the only women. This like pay put it, some put more it this attention. Way. Put like, it this stop way. Stop playing Kelsey Ballerini and play some other of the like the hundred fucking women we've mentioned on this podcast that we love that gets no attention on the highway or any major country station. Yeah. And and that's exactly what I was going to say is like, we, we can gush about them all we want because we've been gushing about all the other awesome female country musicians that gush, are out there. Gush about the high women. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And it's like, you're going to do that make those comments every single time to earn yourself some sort of credibility. Like it's the same bullshit. Like we talk about when uh, modern country writers name drop someone, they shouldn't be name dropping. It's like, yeah, you didn't yeah. earn the right to name drop that shit. Yeah. You crank up doing the Hank for... and play the George. And like, you, you think that all of a sudden that makes you legit. It's just like that eye roll where your eyes just literally roll yeah. out of your head. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw recently a new single came out. Um, I don't know. Do you like John Prine? Of course. So he just released a new single with Margot Price. It's called Unwed Fathers. It just came out. Like, just came out. That is not a new song. Um, It's an old song of his. 
And so I have not heard this. Ver- I know the song. The version with Marco Price. I've not heard the version with Marco Price. It's really cool. But I've heard the song before. That's that's an old school John Prine song. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, so I guess he's doing this new duet I, thing. I've even heard, I think, Deer Tick covered. There was this really cool record of a whole bunch of like alt country kind of bands that covered uh, John Prine songs like Abbott Brothers, Deer Tick, people like this. And that, that was on there. A really good version. I don't remember who did it. It might have been Deer Tick. I like hearing those kind of redos of yeah even though they're not country bands but it's like it's inter- interesting to hear their takes look, on look it. it up all like it's it's a really good version of like not the, not the whole record is great but a lot of them are i saw um core blend just released a cover album he did Co- cleverly titled cover your tracks cover your tracks <laughs> yeah, that's I a like cool it. cover right it's a very cool i mean cover. the actual album cover looks yeah. cool um I really the first track these boots are made for walking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it, I found that one kind of funny because I just recently um, <laughs> covered the song myself at a show I I played. You covered these boots are made for walking. Yeah, I was doing a, a show with my fiddle player Carolyn. It was just the two of us, and uh, it was a benefit for like my buddy whose house got messed up in this flood. My buddy Maddie, and uh, so Carolyn and I had been kind of drinking all day, and just started jamming on ridiculous songs and we were covering a, a song you mentioned in, in our uh cheating songs episode whose boots or whose bed have your boots been under and then carolyn was like we should do a you cover that yeah oh cool well the first time we did it that that yeah. show and then she's like we should do a boot medley like we'll do oh and nice. then we did boot so we went right from that song into nice well but, played uh, yeah it was well played it was fun you and we've done it in the opposite way for the tempo i guess anyways well, I guess you could use that in the boom, 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 like as a yeah. As we a slowed it right type. down. Yeah, it was great, yeah. cool. Consequently, we also covered Old Town Road at that sh- same show. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember you telling me about this. Awkward. Um, um, the other thing I like about this album is uh, he does a really uh, cool song that he does with uh, Hayes Carl. Yeah, cover of the Rolling Stone. Yeah, I really like that one. That was the first one he released off it. I I love. The bromance. Dr. Hook cover. They have such a good bromance, Hayes Carl and Core yeah. Blend, because they've done two other songs together, um, Bible on the Dash and Bottle in My Hand, which were mm. uh, on Hayes Carl's last couple albums, and I, I think they were also on Core Blend's albums. But I love that it's Bible like... Bible on the Dash was for sure. I don't know about the other one. It, it's just cool to see like Canadian, American, like linking up and like they toured they tour together. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's super cool. I love Hayes Carl. I love Core Blend. These, they're basically the opposite country like not country music but like they're the american and canadian versions of each other yeah that's that's i never thought of it exactly like that but that's a pretty good comparison they're both ridiculously good songwriters and keep very much to a roots style of country and yeah yeah definitely yeah he's i i I like hayes carl a lot and he uh, should be bigger than he is he should. And I just heard a great interview with him um, on a podcast called uh, Tales from the Trail. Hmm. Do you remember when at my bachelor party, we were in, um, when we were in Nashville, we were at Robert's Western World, that super drunk night <laughs> of mine. <laughs> and... Uh, the 17 margaritas and 14 beers. <laughs> <laughs> Remember we had a, there was a beer pyramid at one point where I there just, was. I, I just we, had PBR all yeah. over the, and we were just, we're grabbing off of it. And 
there was that one other guy in there wearing a cowboy hat and him and I were chatting for like an hour. You came and talked to us for a little bit, but I don't know, you, you might not remember, but if you remember this guy, he's a guy named Tyler Gummersall and he he's he's a lead guitar player he's on the road with a number of people and including just for himself but because he's traveling around meeting a number of different people um like serious artists he has started this podcast where he's interviewing them he's got charlie daniels um randy rogers and also hayes carl and these are really good long form conversational interview podcasts uh, they're also on YouTube, so you can watch the video of it. It's, the video is not very interesting. It's literally like one shot on them sitting, talking. It's cool if you want to see what they look like and what's going on, but the podcast is pretty much the exact same thing. And the Hayes Carl one is is really good. Uh, you, you get a good history of Hayes Carl and where he comes from, how he got to where he is, a lot of insight behind his songwriting and, and performance on stage and stage banter and like how he got to where he is. Re- re- really, really cool. And uh, I, I met Hayes Carl once. He's very cool guy. He he's taller than I am, which is rare in 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 entertainment world. And because uh, he, I was seeing Corb Lund in as opposed to what like the the basketball world. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody in entertainment is like always such a short. Oh, person. that's true, right? Yeah. <laughs> And not always, but largely, like you, you see someone that towers over everybody. And <laughs> like then, Tom Cruise. <laughs> well, yeah, Tom Cruise is like five foot. Yeah, he's just doing Scientology, beating people up. Exactly. <laughs> and then you see someone who's like a foot taller than everyone. You see that they're only like six one, and then it's like, what? Yeah. Like that guy skyscrapering <laughs> over everyone at six one is like someone else would be a beanpole giant in there. Anyways, um, yeah, he uh, he. Sorry, uh, Corblund was playing in New York one time when we were there, just happened to be there at the same time. And uh, Hayes Carl came in to surprise, dropped in to, um, I don't know, surprise him and visit him as he was doing this show. Oh, that's so cool. And, See, the bromance is awesome. Oh, they're, they're, they're totally BFF. And uh, <laughs> it was, I don't know him by any sense at all, but met him, had a quick little chat. Corb introduced me and uh, my... Uh, I guess she was girlfriend at the time, my now <laughs> wife. And yeah, I w- actually, one of my favorite things from Hayes Carl is uh, he wrote a lot of the songs and a couple of my favorites on the Country Strong record. Huh. Did you ever see the movie Country Strong? No, I know what you're talking about. I know what movie it is. I just haven't watched it. It's a great movie. <laughs> Don't let the fact that there is uh, the girl from Gossip Girl and Gwyneth Paltrow in it steer you away. Um, it's fantastic. And somebody that I wish would just become a country artist and record a record is uh, Garrett Headland. You know this guy? No, actor? I don't know who that is. He was in, I don't know, I just think of them, him with this movie, but he was in a bunch of things, including X-Men and, I don't know, some other shit. I've, I don't watch X-Men, but um, he he was so good and his voice was so great. And I heard that like he didn't even play guitar before that and he played and sang everything through the movie. He went and I, I read, I don't know if this is true, but that he went and like stayed with Faith Hill and Tim McGraw for I don't know x period of time and they taught him like kind of took him under their wing and 
taught him to sing and play guitar because Tim McGraw acts in this movie as well too. And so, I don't know, great. I, I think it was the precursor to the show that became Nashville or inspired uh, okay. so much of the idea of what was. I'm a big fan of when actors actually get into the role. Like, like Crazy Heart. Yeah. You listen to that soundtrack and like Jeff Bridges yeah. and Colin Farrell, like yep. killing it. And some of those songs. In the Ryan album, Bingham. Yeah. I was uh, I was at a thing recently where Jeff Bridges was giving a speech. And I was what, like sustainability. And I never realized this, but the dude, like that's actually him. That's his real yeah. life oh, yeah. character. <laughs> that <laughs> was not. He didn't have to act hard to He do did that. not act. Like he rolled in with a beard and the slippers and. And everything else, I had a really, since I haven't done one Buying yet. Buying milk with a check. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so I haven't done one yet. Uh, just jumping back quickly to uh, his Carl. I had a good Steve Earle quote, since I haven't done a Steve Earle quote in a while. Uh, this is because his uh, Carl is married to Steve Earle's ex-wife. Uh, this is Steve Who Earl. was there that night as well, too. I yeah. Her as well. So <laughs> said she traded me in what for... What was her name? Melissa? Allison, 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 Allison. Yeah, yeah, Allison. Uh, she traded me in for a younger, skinnier, less talented singer-songwriter. Huh. <laughs> oh, like such a hard carve. I love it. Steve Earle just not giving like zero fucks given. Yeah. Like Mister Zero Fucks Given. Uh, have you heard? Um, I don't even know if this is new, but for some reason I think they call that a backhanded compliment. <laughs> yeah, or just a backhand, or just yeah. <laughs> But, you know, younger, he, skinnier. <laughs> but yeah, younger, skinnier. Oh, that's nice. Less talented songwriter. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, harsh. Yeah, but you know what? I don't know. So Steve Earle also has like, what, 30 years on Hayes yeah, Carl? and he's salty. He's allowed to be salty. Yeah, but Hayes, Hayes Carl, give him 30 years. And I think we'll be looking back at Hayes Carl in 30 years, like the way that we're speaking about Steve Earle now. Well, as much as I love Hayes Carl, like Steve Earle was putting out hits though, like way earlier than Hayes Carl. Like, yeah, that's true. Like big hit. Well, but then again, all of his hit albums other were. Other than Copperhead Road and Guitar Man, what else has he done that like of his own name that he's put out, not written for? Because Hayes Carl's written other things as well too. Yeah, well, that album after that, like Exit Zero, I think it was called. There were some good hits on that, like I Ain't Ever Satisfied, and I don't know what that is. There were they were songs that charted. You mean there were releases? They weren't hits. No, they charted. Okay, we'll talk about it. All right, <laughs> not right now. I don't. I don't hate Steve Earle by any means. I'm just <laughs> skeptical of. I'm. It, this hurts me. This feud because I love Hayes Carl. I've been the biggest proponent of the Hayes Carl for the longest time. Like everybody should listen to this guy. He should be mm-hmm. huge. But then Steve Earle is also very near and dear to my heart. So he toured with Corb. One t- the first time I saw Corb one was in Hayes Carl did yeah I, I want to say it was in 2005 or 2006 and w- I went to see him in Belleville I was still in university he in played Kingston. here not that long well it was long ago it was probably like 10 years ago but he played here if it was around 05 06 it might have been on the same tour I think it was folk fest or something okay and it was at the Grand Theater in Belleville and the the two of them that were there together and had no idea who this guy was. That was the first time I heard of him when he was on tour with Corb. Because I think Corb did a tour with him in Texas. 
and then he did a tour with him in Canada. He's uh, his songwriting is just like it's real clever. Mm-hmm. Like some of his what we talk about all the time, like turn a phrase. You're talking and, about Corb? Yeah. Well, Corb Lund and Hayes Carl. They're oh, both in just terms like, of like clever turn of phrase, I feel like Corb definitely has the upper hand in that. Yeah, I mean, I think we're at a unique point here where it's like you listen to way more Corb Lund and I listen to way more his <laughs> Carol. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> and yeah. I you know, they have a bromance. I think we have a bit of a bromance, so it's like, you know. Don't overstate what we have. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so harsh, dude. <laughs> so salty. <laughs> You're like you're getting Look, salty you're, like Steve Earle. <laughs> exactly. Look, you're just an older, skinnier. <laughs> oh, that's gold. Oh, okay. I wanted to ask you because this popped up on my Spotify. I don't Hit even me. know because I don't know Luke Combs that well. But this song, one too many, it's with Brooks Undone. Is this new or did this pop up for some other reason? It like it popped up on my Spotify as a new release, and uh, you know this is one of those artists you've been kind of turning me on to where i was like i'm starting to like them but then which one brooks and dunn or <laughs> no luke combs i like brooks and dunn they're fucking awesome luke combs is was one of those artists but i guess i don't know maybe you haven't listened to it but no i don't know this song I, I think it's on literally brand new okay because on the reboot record that they did last year yeah which was all songs that essentially greatest hits of brooks and dunn but featuring a new young up and coming well a quote-unquote up and coming young young artists young country artists uh singing with them luke combs actually did brand new man the the first track yeah i remember that that was a good song yeah that, that was actually i wasn't a big fan of i don't know i liked the record and maybe because i just love brooks and dunn so much but there was maybe four of the 12 songs that I thought were good and I thought none of them were better than the originals. Well, so I don't know why they're coming back with another one, but it's called one, two, one comma too many with Brooks and Dunn. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of meh on this whole thing. It seems a little forced, but, and the only thing that bugs me is like the partnership. No, not the partnership, just the song. If if you listen to it, I also feel like, I don't know how I haven't heard this. I, I think it just came out like what yesterday couple days ago okay yeah I've, but I've been, I've been busy extra busy with yeah work it's been a, i haven't been a busy couple of weeks um but yeah the only other thing that bugs me about it is i'm not even really sure if this lyric like the one too many um there's a J- I don't know if you know who jason Eady is i think you know yep, yeah we've talked about him jason Eady has a song uh that's also called My first one word. too many oh really and uh so then i was like he did me in the whiskey uh yeah yeah, but yeah, so I, I I don't know. Like, I have no idea if this is Jason Eady's or like they're not the same songs. I'm just saying I don't know if this was his original lyric, Jason Eady, uh coining the term like one too many, because his was like I've had one comma too many, and it's and then I don't know. It just it 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 sat with me a little wrong. But maybe this is a classic one of those lines that's like a classic country line where it's used in a lot of different songs, but. Anyways, I figured I'd pick your brain on it, but you haven't heard it, so we'll come back to it. We'll talk about it later once you've heard the song. Yeah. Uh, what else do I got? Uh, Brent Cobb just got a new uh, single out called Feet Off the Ground. I love Brent Cobb. I, he's killing I it. His last two albums. Um, but he did this song with someone named Jade Bird, and 
I've never heard of her, so I had to look her up. Uh, she's from England. I wouldn't necessarily call her country, but I realized after the fact that she pretty much cut her teeth by touring with Brent Cobb in 2017. They did a bunch of South by Southwest stops, and then she released an album that same year, uh, <laughs> funnily enough, called uh, Something American. So she's like this, she's she's from the UK, and she starts touring with Brent Cobb, and then puts out this album called Something American. It Some of it, it could be classified as maybe alt-country, but I wouldn't even know where to put it. It's a beautiful album. Um, I love the whole thing, but I wouldn't really lump it into any sort of country music. Uh, she reminds me of like a little bit of like Nico Case, uh, Jillian Welsh kind of stuff. Jillian Welch. Um, but it's a really good Brent Cobb song, and I'm hoping he has some new material coming out soon because I, like I said, I love Brent Cobb. What else? How You must have heard the new, there's a new Kelsey Walden uh, single out, White Noise, White Lines. It's awesome. It's so awesome. It's so outlaw, that song. Yep. Like I, that I've, slow chugging, like up to that slow build. I've been a big fan of her since her first record when I first found out about her. And I was one, of, I, I pre-ordered her next record. I emailed her about it. She gave me yeah, a, that's the one that's all autographed and shit. Exactly. The handwritten <laughs> sticky note that's on top of it. Yeah. You've been like, her biggest fan since I, the start. She's I awesome. I, every time she puts out something new, I'm all over it. That was fantastic. I, she is the type of person that someone like further to your, um, earlier argument about, um, what's her name? Kelly, uh, Oh yeah, what what is her name? Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson. Oh, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> <laughs> we're too many beers deep on this. Uh, yeah, well, but that's from a movie, the, right? <laughs> no, is it? Yeah, it's from uh, when uh, Steve Carell is like getting his chest hair ripped off. Is it Steve he Carell? Said, Whoa, Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, remember that? Uh, is what that the forty-year version? Yeah, the forty-year-old version. Uh, I saw that like once, and yeah, I thought that would. I'm not was embarrassed totally to say stupid. that's the first time I ever heard of her name. Huh. <laughs> Just like uh, before he cheats, you first heard in <laughs> on the Family Guy. Um, oh. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, she's the best. That's a great song. I love, like, the steel in the song is, it's like spacey, man. It's like the steel is put in one ear in the background, and the guitar is put in the like the way they pan Stereo. them. Stereo. Yeah. But they're so in the background, like in a creepy kind of way, and. Uh, I don't know. It's just so it's haunting. Like the whole thing, it it feel like I looked it up. To, looked it up after because it feels like it should have been produced by Sturgill Simpson because it's got that spacey kind of mm-hmm. you know meta modern sounds and country mm-hmm. music kind of shit. But it wasn't at all. But uh, I was disappointed because like I would have been so cool if I just if I nailed that just from listening to it that mm-hmm. it was produced by Sturgill Simpson. But uh, anyways, and now and you that, just admitted that you did not. Well, I admit that I'm not cool all the time. <laughs> Uh, the ending's a bit odd of this song. I don't know if you listen to it through, but there's like this weird, like Native American sounding chanting at the end. I don't know what that's about. But I also was not sure what that was about. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, her new album's coming out uh, October 4th. Kelsey Walden of the same name, White Noise, White Lines. So look out for that one. Yeah. <sighs> I'm, uh, I'm hitting a wall here. All right. What Let's do you call think? it. Then you want to call it a day? Yeah. I'm <laughs> judging by the <laughs> Jesus. Pyramid, pyramid of cans <laughs> in the pale moonlight. <laughs> Little AJ quote for yeah, you. Yeah, we, we, we better uh, call her quits. <laughs> All right, buddy. <laughs> I 
country, country music.